0: This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor.
1: And I'm physician and journalist, Dr. Norman Swan. It's Thursday, the 1st of April, 2021, and it's not April Fool's Day.
0: (laughs) This is an absolute joke-free zone today, at least as far as tricks go, because there's too much weird stuff happening for us to complicate things with more weird stuff. Uh, the, The situation in Queensland, at least yesterday, Norman, seemed to be settling down a bit, but perhaps... Um, at the same time as things are maybe ramping up in northern New South Wales?
1: Yes. So, you know, it's very gratifying to see that there was two cases and they seem to know where they came from. So no more mystery cases. That suggests that they're getting under control. I think there's a reasonable testing rate, but that's the key here, that people are coming forward, really do need to come forward in large numbers with the slightest symptoms. But, yep, basically good news. New South Wales is a little bit more anxious because they've turned up a case in Byron which shows that it just may well have spread. The restaurant where the people from Brisbane were at, somebody got infected there who sat nearby. Yet another example of airborne spread. And uh, so this could have been, if you like, a super spreading event. Well, one, one hopes not. Hopes that's the only person, but they're getting very nervous.
0: So the backdrop to this is that we're seeing, at least in Queensland, that this is a third healthcare worker who's caught coronavirus hospital, at the Princess Alexandra Hospital. So there's obviously some sort of infection control problem there, and they've locked that hospital down now to figure that out. But while they are rapidly rolling out the vaccine to healthcare workers to prevent this sort of thing from happening again, it does seem to be happening slower than anyone would like.
1: Well, I think that what's happened over the last 24 hours was a bit of backgrounding going on. It sounds as if it was from the Commonwealth government blaming the states for the slow rollout. Um, So some Journalists went nuts with that, if you like, and started saying, well, the states are being the laggards when the poor Commonwealth is being blamed for this. And that really riled the states who gave up their data, showed their data that in fact, particularly New South Wales doing an extremely good job and complaining about late vaccines. It's not really something you want at this stage, which is the feds and the states blaming each other for the the rollout. We all know the rollout is going slowly and that's partly a supply problem, partly a distribution problem, and certainly we've got examples from New South Wales of where vaccines were, that were not expected were dumped on their doorstep, figuratively speaking, and then the Commonwealth's complaining that it wasn't distributed within 24 hours or whatever the story might be. But pretty unseemly and um, not helpful at all, when the states have probably got much better capacity to deliver vaccines in bulk than the Commonwealth does.
0: It seems really counterproductive to be having this sort of slanging match in the media um, what 's the solution though like what, what, whose responsibility is it to roll out to roll up this, the pace of vaccine rollout if the vaccines are actually available
1: Well, I think that the uh, the supply of the vaccines is Commonwealth responsibility because they're bringing them in, but the implication from press conferences in Queensland and New South Wales yesterday was that they 're not quite sure who's in charge and that there needs to be better coordination. That was their feedback. I mean, were, the states were angry. There's no question about that.
0: So in terms of the actual outbreak itself, can we say that there's light on the horizon for Queensland or is it still a bit too soon to say in terms of Easter and the holidays?
1: Within a, an hour or two probably of people listening to this Corona Cast, they'll find out because Queensland will announce... Uh, whether or not they're down at a level which they would feel comfortable about. So it's too soon to say, um, as we record this coronacast. But if there are one or two cases, you know exactly where they've come from, then they've probably got a higher degree of confidence to open up.
0: So let's go back to vaccines. Um, We've been hearing more about the AstraZeneca vaccine in different jurisdictions overseas, changing their clinical guidelines about it. But as far as we know, Australia's clinical guidelines around who can and can't have it and how safe it is remains the same.
1: So what we're talking about here is the thromboembolism problem, which is uh, that there's a rare situation which seems to be causal from the vaccine. Certainly, it seems to be accepted as causal by the Canadians, by the British and by the Germans and probably the Norwegians and some of the Scandinavians as well. It's a very rare situation where you get a clot in the veins draining the brain in association with a low platelet count and particular antibodies that normally are are there with a rare side effect of heparin, which is an anticoagulant, except these people have not had heparin. So it's a very specific set of circumstances with a very specific syndrome which starts about day four. So if people get the astro vaccine and they get a headache day one or two, that's normal. This is something that starts around about day four to day 30 and tends to be people under 60. Now, what's happened is that progressively doctors in Europe are getting nervous about administering this vaccine to people under 60. Canada has uh, put a halt on Astra for the moment uh, to people under 60. And some of the Scandinavian countries are still not back in action with Astra. If this turns out to be real, and it's certainly the Germans, now that they've got a case definition, are finding more more of these cases, perhaps around about 1 in 100,000 doses, then Australia won't be able to ignore this for too much longer. And that is going to create a major headache in terms of vaccine supply.
0: That's right, because the whole uh, Australia has really put its eggs, the main basket that Australia has put its eggs in, if you'll forgive the Easter pun, is the AstraZeneca vaccine because we've, we're manufacturing it here in Australia, in Melbourne, at CSL. And those doses are starting to roll out across the country. But it has raised the question whether we should also have capacity to manufacture mRNA vaccines here in Australia, like the ones made by Pfizer and Moderna, and we've got with us today an expert on mRNA vaccines, Professor Colin Powton from the Monash Institute of Pharmaceutical Sciences.
1: Hello. So, Colin, uh, your you know declaration of interest, you're developing an mRNA vaccine, but I first had you on on seven thirty last year on television, talking about how we in Australia should be investing in mRNA manufacturing capacity, and I noticed that in Germany, in Marburg, Pfizer's Got a, fa- a manufacturing facility going. I think within two or three months. I mean, incredibly quickly. What what's needed to develop an mRNA manufacturing facility?
2: Yeah, I mean, so it certainly was very quick the way they set themselves up to do that. And interestingly, I don't think Pfizer themselves, the major pharma company, had any experience at all in this field. So um, I think that one of the things that allowed them to set up so quickly is just that overall broad experience of manufacturing pharmaceuticals. And we don't have too many companies in Australia that can do that. So I think um, there's there's a couple of things really. There's a lack of familiarity with the technology. And in Australia, a lack of big pharmaceutical experience. The technology itself is not that difficult to deal with. And the skill sets that are available in Australia could certainly pivot to make mRNA vaccines, but they've never done it before. But but nobody, just to interrupt, Colin, nobody's done it before. No, no one had done it, apart from bon, uh, Moderna and BioNTech that had made clinical trials products in the past, but no one had actually made a, a large certainly gone into scale up, as you say.
0: So if we don't have the expertise here in Australia, would we be able to scale up as quickly as somewhere like Germany's been able to?
2: Well, I think um, we could as the manufacturer that's making the the AstraZeneca vaccine could probably do as good a job as any of the other pharmaceutical manufacturers globally. But um, we just don't have very many options here. And Although there are some smaller contract manufacturers that potentially could get into making mRNA vaccines, it's not something they could do very as quickly as a major pharma company. Simply um, a matter of scale, probably more than anything else, because to make the vaccines themselves is not difficult. And I think to make a, a sort of clinical trials batch could be done in an Australian contract manufacturer with a bit of sort of help and equipment provided but to do it at scale is a different matter there's all sorts of issues to deal with there there's just just literally the ability to manufacture and package materials on that scale but there's also issues around supplies of materials and if it were manufacturing one of the mrna vaccines under license in australia then there's the whole issue of well you'd have to make the product in exactly the same way as it's being made in
1: Marburg, for example. So there'd be a transfer of technology involved as well. So what you're saying is this is not something that could be turned on in two months like it was in Germany?
2: I don't think so, but except perhaps for the major manufacturer that's making the AstraZeneca vaccine that could potentially turn it on almost as quickly. It's just that um, they haven't made an mRNA vaccine at scale as yet. But they certainly have all the skill sets. They have the facility. And it probably wouldn't take, you know, if they turn their attention to it, it could be done, I think.
0: What would it cost to do this in Australia?
2: Yeah, look, it's pretty hard to put an absolute number on it um, because a lot of the costs that go into these manufacturing is is just the continuous cost of materials and and actually the personnel required to actually make the vaccine. But the equipment required is not... For a manufacturer that's already making injection products, the amount of equipment required would not be very great. So it's then a matter of how much does it cost in terms of labour and materials to actually make the product. I think in a sense, you'd be talking about um, tens of millions to get started probably, but you have to put that in the context of how much we're spending to vaccinate Australian population. So if we use the mRNA vaccines and just bought them, we probably would be... Uh, investing maybe a billion dollars, something of that order, to to actually get to that point. So the question then becomes: Could you could you actually manufacture the product in Australia and do it for that cost, or perhaps even
1: cheaper? And you probably could, I think. And if they had taken up your advice, I think we broadcast this on seven thirty last June. If they had taken your advice and got going with some an mRNA facility. We might've been there by now.
2: I think so, yeah, definitely. But obviously the government had to make a choice. They, you know, they chose the AstraZeneca vaccine and um, they didn't really have anything to go on at the time. We had no idea what the mRNA vaccines would be successful. Of course, now they are, and now we're seeing other issues arising. Um, The question is, do you now
1: pivot? And, And that's a tricky question, but I think it certainly would be possible. And just finally, Colin, you're developing an mRNA vaccine. How much support are you getting to make it should it be successful? You're, you're developing it in parallel with another vaccine at the Doherty Institute.
2: Yeah, that's right. So at the moment, we're um, we're looking for funding to make um, a product for, fit for human use for the clinical trial. And so we have uh, funding to do a clinical trial and we have funding for our preclinical work. But we need to get some more funding to actually make a GMP quality product for the phase one trial. So that's not been forthcoming from the government for an Australian mRNA COVID vaccine? It's mainly just that um, the scale of the funding isn't quite adequate to make the product under GMP
1: conditions. Colin Powton thanks very much for joining us on CoronaCast. It's a pleasure, Norman. And Colin Powton is Professor of Pharmaceutical Biology at Monash Institute of Pharmaceutical Sciences.
0: Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today, but you can leave us a question or a comment, as always, if you go to abc.net.au slash coronacast.
1: And we'll see you tomorrow.
0: See you then.